Welcome to the Utah Jazz Podcast, where 50% of your hosts uh, had a dream last night that they were late to basketball tryouts, desperately couldn't find their shoes, and kept getting thwarted and trying to find their car. Um, unclear if it was high school, college, Utah Jazz, but I was late for some basketball tryouts. And I've been stressed about it since I woke up, Doug. I feel like I really missed my shot. <laughs> I'm I'm just wondering, Mark, what shoes were you were you looking for? Like, is there a specific model that we can think of? Is it your early LeBron all black shoes that you got like 15 years ago? That I, it actually I, was like a hybrid of those and like these Nike Air Maxes kind of. But yeah, it's like they had they were all black and they had the top part around. But the best part is, Doug. At one point, you were there, and I was like seeing if I could borrow your shoes, and you're like they're too big, yada yada. And I was like, I'll wear two pairs of socks. <laughs> true story the 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 true version of jason terry in reverse That's right. didn't he wear like his older brother socks and he or his older brother's shoes and he had to wear like five pairs of socks or something like that oh i remember that story but now it's you you're the older brother wearing my shoes two pairs of socks later off-season podcast topic is going to be athletes, shoes, and socks, weird stories. And we're going to go from the range of Ed McCaffrey, fast Ed, wearing like shoes a size too small with a slit cut in his toe so that they'd be so tight to his foot that he could be faster to Jason Terry wearing big sloppy shoes with a million socks and everything in between. But in the meantime, uh, jazz basketball carries on. We're recording this, Doug. It's a... Uh, it's a bright and lovely 8.23 in the morning Pacific time over here, uh, 9.30 almost for the folks uh, in, you know, the jazz hometown. And so we're recording this pre the Thunder game, which for sure is only, I feel like only if the jazz win by 75 from the jump, um, being up by 75 in the first quarter, jazz get fans going to leave feeling better. Um, so I feel like they're going to feel about the same. And uh, let's let's talk about the basketball games that have happened this week. What do you say? Guess what, Mark? There were two games this week. Um, rumor has it, we've said it a couple times, that the month of February was a gift. And so far, um, you might not think the same about March. But uh, <laughs> um, let's. we've had two games. Uh, it hasn't all been that bad. We've had some interesting moments, and we're getting a little introspective here. But um, you sound like Doug. You sound like the press secretary or something right now. And, and I guess it's a little too real with what's really going on in the world right now. But there was like some presidential scandal the night before or something, and oh. you're like fumbling around trying to explain the jazz right now, as being like, no, no, it's like things are good. Things are okay. Uh, yeah, no, we had two games. Um, well, we got a W and we got an L, Mark. So that's yeah. that's what we're breaking down here. Um, turns out we played the Rockets, beat them in overtime, 132 to 127. Um, they were without James Harden and Chris Paul, if anyone's wondering. Clint Capella's not there anymore. Um, but somehow... <laughs> you got be so uh, confused when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> somehow, Akeem Olajuwon didn't make an appearance either. Somehow we went to, we went to overtime and, and we squeezed out a W. <laughs> Um, and then we played the Pelicans, um, and turns out, um, they played a pretty good game. Um, that was Friday <laughs> night and we lost 90 to 124. 
one of those games where you can check out pretty early and just watch the box score, but we're here to break it down for you, Mark. Yeah, I'll admit right now, I'm going to tell you right now, if, if anybody's looking for a breakdown of the fourth quarter of the Pelicans jazz game, you're not going to find it from me. Um, I hope that's a sell for the rest of the podcast. I typically, Doug, suffer through all every second of every one of these games, but mercifully, I, I got mercy ruled by our, our daughter Haley's uh, eighth grade middle school dance recital. And I got to get out of the, I got to get out of there before the bell told on the end of the third quarter. And I'm going to tell you right now, I did not feel the need to go back and watch the rest of that fourth quarter. I want to zoom, I want to zoom big picture real quick because there is some stuff that's not as fun to talk about in these games. And we're going to go back a little old school, like we used to do in our segment one and play what I like to call three on three. And we each got three points uh, that, that came up in the week. And on a week like this, it's a weird, it feels like a premier league soccer team week or a Spanish league soccer where there's like two games in the week. It was weird. And if you zoom back, we've won eight of 10, pretty good. Um, we've won three of four since the all-star break. Pretty good. You could even say nine of 11 if you're really feeling like you could say nine of, of 11. Good point. I was looking at the standings thing, but yeah, nine of 11. We are one game back in the loss column. No, two games back in the loss column of both the second and third place teams, Memphis and Golden State. Um, Golden State was in a jazz like January free fall right now. Um, and 538 has us predicted to be within one game of the Warriors and right now three games of Memphis who have a really favorable schedule. Um, but man, it just was not a, a week that made you feel all good in the feel goods. I did like, I tried to come around after the Houston game. Um, unless I mean, and I did say this every time we go into San Antonio and win these days, San Antonio hasn't been good for a few years. I, I have memories of the late nineties and early two thousands, Doug, where we just didn't win in San Antonio forever. Um, and now our, our cousin Jeff would come on the podcast and say, listen, we own San Antonio in the whole early to mid nineties point taken, but there was a long time where we never won in San Antonio. And now every time we went in San Antonio, I want to not, not appreciate that. And to your point on all the guys that you just listed from Houston over the last few years, I hate the Houston Rockets. Anytime we go into Houston and win is a good thing. And I did tweet afterwards, something like complaining after an overtime win on the road in Houston luxury franchise, because hmm. all these times people tweet about the jazz as some poverty franchise or whatever. Like we're really at the point. I do want to frame this as I think I understand why there was angst after that game and let's talk about it. But I do think it was funny. I think it's funny that the jazz are, are so good the last few years that we're going to be all up in a tizzy about an overtime win versus the Rockets uh, where Mike Conley hits a bunch of threes towards the end and wins. I mean, come on now. Now they had one, like they lost like 10 games in a row. <laughs> yeah, it, I think exactly 10 games in a row. Is the... <laughs> I don't know. Um, but something to make, make you, I'll go for the first one here, Mark. Something to okay. make you feel a little bit Take better. Take the first shot game. in three on three. Um, and is that the, um, the Rockets went for a good old original, the pre Doug Hema 2050 50. They went for a Doug 2050 rule. They had 21 threes for 51 taken. And yeah, guess so. what, Mark? We still beat them. Um, yeah, yeah. What did we do? So we, uh, it was like, look, I got it right here. Um, we went Shot 54%, Doug. That's what I guess. I, sorry, I was bearing, I was just trying to tell you that we hemmed their Doug 2050 rule. Right. We came in from the back. They didn't hold us under 50%. Right. 
Um, but gosh, they, they, they Houston they still like threes. They hit yeah. a ton of threes, and that was really um, like Kenyon Martin Jr. hit some big threes in the end. Obviously, Christian Woods three to put it into overtime, um, and some. The I mean, the thing that scares you there is like flashbacks to Terrence Mann. Um, but then I mean, and you and you see kind of like that weakness in the Jazz's defense on the corner three and being able to cover all the spots. Um, in the end, the defense worked out in a sense that they didn't hit the threes. I I don't have the stats in front of me, but I think they missed every single three they took in overtime. If maybe they only hit one, but um where they were super hot in the fourth, they were ice cold in the overtime. And um, so, yeah, I thought, yeah. I thought that was pretty interesting. They, they hit the 2050 and, and we got the dub thanks to um, Hema's ruling of the plus 50% shooting for the winning team, um, which was the Jazz. Yeah. Just to be super clear about that for people who maybe didn't listen last season, you, your rule was that anytime the Jazz made either made 20 or more threes or attempted 50 or more threes. So they could even not quite make 20, but attempt 50. That meant their offense was humming. People were shooting and they were going to win. And that was almost a bulletproof rule. And the only time we lost in that scenario that I can recall was a Denver Nuggets game where Denver shot way over 50%. And so Hema's rule is like, addition to your rule is that you got to play a little defense. And turns out Houston didn't play enough defense on us. <laughs> and uh, we, we shot a really stellar percentage and Rudy Gobert dunked it 11 million times in that game. And yeah, I, I mean, to your point at the end, it did look a lot like that Clippers game there for a second um, with Kevin Porter Jr. in the corner shooting threes and he missed some. And, you know, if Terrence Mann misses some, we're, we're good. But I think any Jazz fan would rightly feel some PTSD and a little bit of worry about that uh, because of it. So I want to a little bit put a pin in that question and, and talk about it with you um, a little bit later on yeah. um, in the pod in our segment too. But yeah, I mean, yeah, they shot the lights out. And so I guess the, a good thing on our end was we got to the rim early and often. Look, Doug, putting on my apologist hat, every NBA team's an NBA team. And these guys actually have a lot of good players that are going to be really good. I mean, um, Jalen Green is a spectacular athlete. Athlete Kevin Porter Jr. is really good. Kev, Kenyon Martin Jr., I mean, he's got all the piss and vinegar of Kenyon Martin Sr. and can shoot threes. Christian Wood, um, he's, he does a lot of things that NBA players get paid a lot of money to do, and he gets paid a lot of money to do it. So if they get in a good way and they're playing the Daryl Morey ball, which they've kind of kept since he's been gone, they can win. And um, they didn't. Well, let me tack on though. And maybe we're in a little bit of concern land and this covers both games, Doug. Um, So my first and my three on three is Michael Conley Jr. And I guess maybe Mike Conley is a nice emblem of what this week was because Mike was in that game hitting three threes, one in regulation to almost win it. And two in overtime, finished the game uh, three for six from three and shot four for 10 overall and was minus four. And then in the Pelicans game, he was one for eight, oh for four from three, minus 17. 
Dan Clayton shared this stat, uh, or this is his whole tweet. Let me just read it. Maybe Mike Conley really did spill his guts, quote unquote, on the court while carrying Utah through star absences in January. Like Mike was one of the, the, the healthy guy. Mike's the guy we're meant to be resting. Seven games starting the night that Quinn said that, 16.4 points, 41, 43, 88 shooting splits, 41% field goal, 43 from three, 88 from the free throw line, 56.1 true shooting percentage, fantastic for a guard. Seven games since, 8.7 points, 30, 25, 75 shooting, 40.5 true shooting percentage. Yikes. He didn't say yikes. I just said yikes. I really hope we didn't find out he tweaked something. That's what he said. My point is just he looked not very long in those two games. And uh, one thing that's been a trend since the All-Star game, Doug, a weird one, is that the Mike, Mike and Rudy, even in those two games against Phoenix and the Mavs, their, their bridge lineup, as David Locke talks about this on his podcast all the time, the Jazz talk about it, it's the lineup that comes in at the end of the first quarter into the second quarter and at the end of the third quarter into the fourth. And there are a few other guys, and one of them is on my three-on-three to talk about as well, who are on there who are struggling. But historically, that lineup's been really good. Even in these games, in that Dallas game that I went to, I don't know how they finished, but Rudy was – Rudy and Mike were both like minus 15 going into the fourth when they were awesome. Um, these lineups, they were both negative um, in both these games, even though Rudy in the Houston game ha- had 27 points and uh, 17 rebounds and dunked it a million times. He's minus 12 um, with Mike. And the thing that just aesthetically pops out to me is that Mike's had a hard time being effective once he gets into the paint against these two teams and against maybe Phoenix as well, who are super long. And Mike is so shifty. Mike is so crafty. Mike over the last two years, I think has been just craft level master in the pick and roll or whatever, but he's had a hard time getting the ball to Rudy. He's had a hard time shaking people. And I've seen him. And I mean, this happened to Donovan too, in that Houston game, get threes blocked more than I can remember, or just, hesitate to shoot them and uh i don't know are like i guess my question i think it's a long season he did have a long hard stretch in january we'll be okay houston was a particularly long and feisty team um even though they're not a good team matchups matter a lot in the nba are you concerned this is just something i want to put out for us to keep an eye on maybe uh because we all know how important mike conley is in the playoffs and how hard it was when we didn't have him against the Clippers. But we need him kind of going full, full bore. What do you think? Yeah. No, I, that, I totally think it's a valid point. Um, I think it's definitely something to watch. I think it's definitely something that the Jazz are probably thinking about. I think as people, as like the teams getting to full health um, with like Rudy Gay coming back now, I think, our, 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 I think our positioning is pretty set in like the three to four to five range. And I don't, I don't know. I'm going to be interested to see if they somehow, I mean, he's sitting to, he's not playing tonight. I don't know if you saw that, but I, I think it'll be interesting to see how it goes. It's something that I thought maybe just to go against the grain of, of that point um, to Mike Conley's importance. Um, he had been like one for seven, like, like you said, um, 
he hit those three threes at the end of one at the end of regulation and two in overtime. And that was kind of, I mean, that was what got it for us. Donovan was kind of, um, he had 37 points, but um, I mean, we need him to, to force the issue because he's our scorer. He's our guy, but it felt like in, in some offensive possessions, like he was really pushing it. Um, and Mike kind of bailed us out on those threes. And then this was a point that I was going to actually wasn't, wasn't one of my points, but um, if you look at the plus minus in the Pelicans game, Mike being a negative 17, that's actually the best plus minus of all the starters <laughs> where that's Donovan, already, yeah. <laughs> Donovan was a minus 23, Rudy minus 19, Boyan minus 21 and Royce minus 21. So that was, it was pretty rough on the plus minus for everyone there. So I'm, I'm with you to where like um, we watch, watch for Mike. And I, I mean, I, I want to see more Trent Forrest minutes as we're like yeah. bumping into the playoffs here. I, I'd like, are we, is Nikhil Alexander Walker ever going to play? Like, we yeah, could, I don't know. Uh, we could, we could get, get Mike a little rest here um, if needed. He's not playing tonight. And that is an yeah. interesting development front end of the back to back. We're against Houston. So far this season, that strategy hasn't worked. They've needed him, um, but hopefully they're able to, I think now they've got more of a, a more bench guys who can come in and fill in because of everything they've had to go through. And uh, yeah, I mean, Doug, to your point, he hit three threes to win that game. We won that game. He's the best clutch shooter in the NBA. Um, I can't remember that that's, that's the last two minutes or the last five minutes within five points, but he's shooting 50, over 50% from three in that time or something like yeah. that. Um, so Mike's great. And I, I want to come back to that a, a little bit um, in our segment too, about, you know, we're going to talk about whether things have, um, whether we still have the same problems or not as last year, but um, yeah. what's your, what, what else you have in three on three? So I will, I guess I just hedged myself there, but my second point was even though Mike had had a really, I like a, a struggle in the Rockets game. It was his, his last three shots were essentially what won the jazz the game. So that was my, um rough game i mean rough ending to a game it was, it was great first like three and a half quarters um but uh well i mean not great for mike here i am going back and forth but <laughs> um in the end he was also awesome. secretary doug right and um so that, that was my point there so if you have a second point run i'll run go i'll go thank you crisis management doug for passing me the the baton um kind of doing an inverted sandwich method thing here where I, this is the kind of week it was where I'm kind of doing two negative points and then a good point at, at the end. So I don't know if that's like two pieces of bread and then like the meat at the bottom, or I forget what the sandwich method is. Um, but uh, I can be quick about this one. I actually, I'm going to spin it positive. Uh, Rudy Gay was awful um, from shoot, shooting in these two games. Uh, a lot of jazz Twitter being like, what does Rudy Gay do? Do we need Rudy Gay? We were better with George Niang, which is kind of a funny chorus for the choir to sing um, of jazz fandom, because those of us in George Niang's camp were, felt a little lonely uh, much of last year. Yeah, um, but he was good. And and people saying we should just play Eric Pascal. This is my this is actually my thought. I mean, look, Ru Doug, Rudy Gay, 0 for 5 um, against the Pelicans. As you mentioned, everybody was just terrible against the Pelicans and he was one for seven. Uh, in 13 minutes against the Rockets. Um, I think we should afford a little more patience to Rudy Gay. To me, I mean, Rudy Gay is not going to help you more 
against the Houston Rockets in March than George Niang would probably. Rudy Gay is going to help you in the playoffs. When the game slows down, we need another adult in the room. I mean, like literally we have Rudy Gay for the second half of the Clippers against, I mean, he's got, he's other things. We need him to get shooting a little better. He's missed a lot of time. He was coming off injury to start the season, um, this, that, and the other. But if you've, I mean, me watching every game, there's been so many moments where I've been like, oh yeah, that's why we have Rudy Gay. I mean, he just is a calming presence. I think right now he's pressing a little bit. We can get him the ball in the post. He's a big body. Yeah, he's not a lockdown perimeter defender. He's not meant to be, but he's a big body who in that second half of the Clippers could have gotten, we could have given it to him in the post and he could have backed down a smaller dude, turned around and shot over him from the mid range and had a really good chance of making it and calling a run. And he can move laterally a little quicker than a guy like George Nian can. And he's a bigger body that way. I just think it's important that he plays and now and gets a rhythm. I mean, we've seen guys take a while to adjust to this system. He's had good games. I just would just be like the whole point coming into the season was jazz fans saying, don't be short-sighted in the regular season. Don't be short-sighted in the regular season. And then, yeah, the month of January was a lot worse than any of us would have thought a month would be for this team in this season, but we're still in the top four. We're, we're right between we have, we could, I think we're going to end up somewhere between four and four probably, um, but we could end up somewhere between two and four. And yeah. I don't think we're going to drop to five. And I honestly, personally don't think it makes a lot of a difference. I think we'd be better off being two and playing Minnesota or something in the first round. That'd be great. Um, but maybe we end up playing the Lakers. Who knows? I mean, and, or the Pelicans. I mean, or the yeah, Pelicans. Yeah. Right. I mean, no, no gimme first rounds. And then it really is matchup dependent. Like, do you, would you rather play the Nuggets or the Mavericks? I don't know. Um, I think people have different opinions about that. Would you rather play the Warriors or the Suns? I'm, I don't know either. They're, how healthy are either of them? So I'm just like, to me, to me, what's important is we're firing on all cylinders at the end. I would love us to climb up the standings. So that's that's why, to me, that Pelicans game hurt so bad because you're, you're just kind of, you know, me and you on the pod last week looking at the schedule being like, Oh, we could rack up three wins right here. Um, Kristen, by the way, did blame you for the lackluster performance at the end of Houston for jinxing us um, because she listened to the pod like right before. But yeah, so anyways, that's my Rudy Gay take. Um, Went a little longer than I thought. I I think that's spot on. I think, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to look at a game in March and to think Eric Pascal is going to bring like a ton of energy off the bench and and he's not getting that run, you know? Um, But it, I mean, you've got to think about what Rudy Gay is going to bring to us in the playoffs. And um, I mean, that was really the bet that the Jazz made. What was it, like a three-year deal that we gave Rudy Gay? And um, we're looking at where he's going to help us um, later in the year on those those nice mid-range baseline shots that only great players can make. Um, but yeah. Um, I think I like your sandwich method there, Mark. Um, Mine's also kind of a, well, actually, I think my first two were kind of positive. And now my second one's going to be not as positive because guess what? We had a really bad game against the Pelicans. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, Mark, there's three players on the Jazz that did not have a turnover against the Pelicans. Only three of the, I think, 15 that played. Um, can you guess the three players that didn't have a turnover? 
Eric Pascal, Nikhil Alexander Walker, and um, Doak. Oh, one for three. Oh, my, new, my, my new three favorite players of the Jazz Juancho, <laughs> Daniel House, and Big Doak. Oh, and House actually played real minutes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm like, I'm, I, I said it last time on the podcast. I'm stoked about Daniel House. Um, Juancho and Big Doak doesn't really make a difference. The point is, we had a ton of turnovers in this game. Um, I don't know if it was like Friday night, a little too early, like um, something weird in the salad they had before the game. But um, that was just a weird game, man. One of my really good buddies um, that I met since being in graduate school was a huge Pelicans fan. And he texted me before the game. He's like, oh, stoked for the Jazz game. And early, because the past two game times we played the Pelicans, I was texting before. Um, he's like not even paying attention because they had been so bad. And now I'm like, oh man, this guy's only paying attention now that CJ's back. And guess what? Um, they, they put it to us. And you know what? That happens. And so here we are. We're, we're moving forward. But um, a big reason why we lost was all of the, it was 20 turnovers total. Um, Boyan had some bad ones. Mike, Donovan, Rudy. I mean, they like they were long, frisky, and guarding hard. I did think the defense was, or the, sorry, the officiating was bizarre. Donovan got called for a foul on a box out. Like literally he just boxed him out. I've my entire life in basketball, Doug, I've been told, put your butt into somebody and drive them as much as you want. And that's like, uh, that's a box out. And apparently that was a, a foul. Yeah, and that was weird. That was bizarre. But yeah, I mean, it the turnovers were brutal and that, it, that can be a bugaboo of the jazz team. It's tough because sometimes that results from more passing there. It just resulted from them being long aggressive and us being awful. And maybe that was bourbon street the night before, as a few jokes were made about, I mean, maybe the jazz were just lethargic being in new Orleans, who knows these games happen. There's just been a few more of them than you'd like this year. And that's a bummer when that could be the difference between the two seed and the, and the four seed. Um, but let's, let me wrap up our three on three on this. I don't think we need to say a lot about it because it's been a recurring theme. Um, but I can't like, it just sucks that the, the game ended the way it did. And then uh, the next game went the way it was, but Donovan Mitchell was spectacular against the Houston Rockets um, up until a fluky little missed layup and a couple like things at the end. I mean, the guy had 37 points, seven for 11, or, oh, seven for 11 from the free throw line, four for 14 from three, 13 for 27. I mean, 37 on 27, 10 assists. He was masterful. Um, he continues to be masterful. And uh, Rudy was 27 and 17. You know, absent a weird little stretch at the end, they were looking like they were continuing this dominant run um, out, of, out of the all-star break. So look, that's what matters. And uh, let's see. You know, did they have a little hangover after a bad end to the to that game? Maybe did they have a little hangover literally from partying in New Orleans? I don't know. Did they just not get up for a team that's a little lower in the standings? Maybe. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to end on the fact that Donovan just keeps playing at an MVP level. Yeah, um, he's awesome. And um, I think we just need to appreciate who he is and what he does. Yeah. Um, so that was that was the week that was, Mark. Just a quick preview for this coming week, which will actually be interesting just based on the time that we're doing this podcast, there are going to be 
five games. Um, just looking at the schedule now, two back-to-backs um, this week, which is wild. Um, so we play the Thunder today, the Mavs on Monday, the Trailblazers on Wednesday, and then Friday against the Spurs and Saturday against the Kings. Um, it's going to be a good one, Mark. Five five games compared to two games. That's a lot of content. I'll take for the it. Twos and threes podcast. I'll take it. All right, let's talk about our segment two. Segment one bled into it a lot, and it was a little bit longer. So I'll just make this quick. There was a lot of, after the Houston game, we have the exact same problems as we had last year. We've done nothing to address them, yada, yada. As we said earlier in segment one, understandable, given the given some of those threes at the end of the game and, and the way they came back. I prefer David Locke. I don't want to steal his thing here. Like, so if you listen to his podcast after that, he kind of broke down every play in the fourth quarter and whether, whether that was really the case. And there really were some difficult contestant threes. Christian Wood made two threes that regardless of defensive scheme and five out and whoever's out there, they were guarded as well as you could guard them. And, and he just, he just made them. Um, so kudos to him. And my point um, that I kind of wanted to make is what you made about Mike Conley, which is just, but then we made some big shots at the end and we won. And I, the, the, the point now, this is against the Houston Rockets. So I get it, but I, I saw a lot of people kind of off on that last second play where the Mike made the three. I thought it was a spectacular play. Quinn, Quinn ran Mike all the way across to set the pick on Donovan's guy. Donovan had been getting so much attention and Rudy in the pick and roll Donovan drives in. He started to lose his balance a little bit, but you look at the replay. You don't even notice Mike slink off to the corner after he sets that pick. That was the whole point of that pick. Um, Besides getting the switch that they wanted for Donovan. There are three guys collapsed to guard Rudy and Donovan at the rim and Donovan falling down makes a spectacular pass. Like that takes an insane amount of strength to get to Mike in the corner for a three, boom, Christian Wood makes a crazy three to send it overtime. So that takes a little steam off of it. But um, I mean, this team needs to do better at, at keeping leads. I, I, I guess my, my point, my takeaway from the fourth quarter of that game was I was mostly, dis- I was more disappointed in the offense breaking down um, and our difficult, the difficulty we had in manufacturing points than defensive breakdowns. And, uh, but this is a team that isn't, you know, it's built to make runs on threes. It's built, um, to rely on the best defensive player in the world, but it just, it's just an aesthetically different look from the way that they have to win. And it's a team that's going to give up some, some runs. So I don't know. I mean, I guess, I think we have guys to throw in against a run like that, that we didn't last year. And I think Rudy Gay has to be one of them. So your belief level in him is, is a big deal. And whether we're the same Daniel house, I get that there are people, I mean, on the Zach Lowe podcast, they're talking about the jazz and it was really fun with Tim McMahon, friend of the pod McMahon. And uh, like, you know, they were talking about how Daniel house has been a real addition and that might worry you that Daniel house wasn't on an NBA team a few weeks ago and he's going to play rotation minutes guess what though? He feel, he, he feels the need and I've, I've liked what I've seen. So I, I don't know, they, you know, some of these guys are going to have to hit Trent Forrest might have to come in and play some big minutes in a, in a playoff stretch. Um, it's not the same team. We have some of the same problems. I think they've 
we've we've done things schematically, especially on offense, to take advantage of switching defenses better than than in the past, and done try different stuff on defense. I don't know. I guess maybe that's wishy washy, but that was kind of my thought. What do you think? Yeah, um, I don't. I I mean, I think we're definitely a different team than we were last year than we were earlier this season um like the team's evolving and i don't know i i think it's hard to make we're not gonna know really what this team is until it happens and by it happening i mean the playoffs yeah and so i mean here we are speculating about it i'm just excited i think we've seen throughout the season um exciting moments and nervous moments that we can lean on whichever way we want to lean yeah um and you know for me i'm gonna lean on the more excited side to where i you know i'm interested to see like i mean do we make the same mistake that we've made what so many playoffs in a row do we see a change to what happened against the clippers last year i think I mean, one of the, this is like um, the most like not like first world problems, but like first world NBA success problems to where like sometimes I look at our roster and I'm like, we have so many dudes that like I want to see playing and that the, um, that aren't getting enough run. And I think that um, I think that's awesome. And I think it's going to bode well for us in the playoffs and we're going to find out whether or not we've learned stuff that's yeah. and that's what's fun about sports so um it, there's there's things that i'm that we're seeing that concern me things that seem that excite me and i think um in a couple months time we're going to find out um whether or not we figured it out but i think yep. that there's a great chance that we have yeah and two points that i meant to mention and forgot one was that houston game this is dumb, but this is the way basketball works sometimes. The whole thing doesn't happen if Donovan just makes a layup when he's wide open, literally wide open. And I think maybe he thought he was going to dunk and then he didn't or whatever. And that's just a fluky thing. And then the other thing is, I think, I thought that could be a net positive game because we have, we have been so bad in the clutch and we just need more reps. I don't care against what team it is and finding Mike three times at the end and that, that play at the end getting a last second, you know, a last minute shot that was a little different than we have. That's all valuable reps. And, you know, I guess my button to this segment um, from the dude who's actually out there playing after the Pelicans game, Donovan tweeted something that was like, we don't feel good about that game, but we're not going to make a bigger deal out of one game um, than it was. And I think that's fair. I like that. Uh, All right. And I think that segues us into social media. Uh, yeah, what do you got? I'll tell you what I got, Doug. This is a bit of an interesting social media in the sense that um, it's a thing I saw tweeted in social media and then I retweeted, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use it. Um, this, is, this is from Zach Lowe, who's the, like the, I think the best national basketball writer that there is and like the head ESPN one, um, formerly of Grantland. And yeah, really good. He's behind a paywall, so I'm doing you this favor. Um, on 
on ESPN Plus. He does a weekly 10 things I like, 10 things I don't like column. His number one this this year was or this week was on Rudy Gobert. In fact, like the headline for this thing is ignore Rudy Gobert at your peril. And uh, he basically talks about um, how much disrespect kind of Rudy's gotten lately and how unjustified it is. And what I love is Zach Lowe is not like a Rudy Gobert stand. Zach Lowe is often made fun of the jazz for overemphasizing screen assists while and he does in this article yeah while acknowledging that screen assists you know that, that that's a valuable play and he is the biggest uh Nikola Jokic fan i in sport like i i, I so like i think he, but he's always been really acknowledging of how good rudy is and the part that i would just read is this but Rudy Gobert is freaking awesome in italics. He did it. He is a one-man defense, the best rim protector in modern history. It's selling Gobert short to call him a rim protector. That label implies shot blocking, and Gobert's impact goes well beyond block shots, even beyond spooking players from shooting in the first place. Gobert is a paint protector. He keeps going. He talks about um, them defending. I, I like this part. Very tall people, Gobert included, just look stilted moving at high speeds. That has created the perception that Gobert is not comfortable defending on the perimeter. Four years ago, that might've been true. And then he goes on saying how that's not anymore. And he's improved every year and that he is going to be a hall of famer and people just need to accept that. And uh, I, it was great. I, I just thought it was awesome. I, I wish I, I, I guess I almost read that. I could read the whole thing, but um, people should check it out if they haven't been able to. Um, but I liked it quite a bit. I read that article too, Mark, and it was awesome. The, the best thing about that article is that it was an ESPN Plus article, and I don't have ESPN Plus, but you get a certain portion of each article, and I got everything on Rudy Gobert before, like, the oh, other nice. key points. <laughs> nice. I guess uh, I want to read this first. Has there ever been an all-star, a likely future Hall of Famer, who draws more unprompted disrespect from Pierce than Gobert? That's what the uh, – that was his lead line, but, yeah, I, anyways. Yeah, that's good. That's amazing that you got that you got that pre the paywall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The it was like I can't even remember what his second point was, but it was I got the whole Rudy Gobert, and I was like, "This is perfect." That's awesome. Um, but yeah, I read that too, and I loved it. Um, so something that I thought was kind of cool was, um, and I'm I'm not entirely sure like where his career is going to go or like. I don't really pay attention that much to college basketball, but um, there was a picture posted by Shaq and then retweeted by Sharif, his oldest son. Um, and it was of both of them. It's like a black and white picture of both of them, like dunking in college for LSU and kind of being in like a similar body position in the air while dunking. Um, and it's, and Shaq said like father, like son. Um, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of cool. Sharif had, like heart surgery when he was at UCLA. Um, he was super highly touted in college. He's just like one of those big body dudes, tall, skinny, and athletic. Um, and so in like this weird way of like the NBA, like super kid famous um, people where I want him and like Zyre Wade and Bronny James to be successful just because it's kind of interesting. And somehow they have like millions of social media following. Um, I'm all, I'm all about a Sharif O'Neal success story. So, uh, I thought that was kind of fun. I love it, Doug. I haven't followed him, um, enough and 
I, Shaq has been so annoying to me as a commentator the past couple of years, but I, I'll say like, he was one of the most, I, I think he's the, the most underrated player in the history of the NBA at this point. It's weird. And maybe that's just because I was the perfect age to, to remember that for at least three years, and it extended a little more before and beyond, Shaq was the 17-18 Warriors by himself. I mean, I, him and Kobe too, but he was inevitable. He wasn't. He was amazing. So, how big? How big is this kid? He's he's six ten, and he's like way skinnier than Shaq. But um, I and I don't know. He like he missed like a full season and a half after like getting heart surgery. So I don't know what his like NBA prospects are. But I I think it's I think it's cool to see these guys um, do stuff. Yeah, I'm in on Baby Shaq. I, I thought it was kind of fun seeing Kenyon Martin Jr.'s or yeah, Ken, yeah, Kenyon Martin's son. Um, well, cool. Well, Doug, it was a fun, it was fun social media. I've got about five minutes left, maybe a little less. Can we do a little and one? Yeah, let's hear. I'm I'm ready for everything that you've got coming. All right. So, the Jazz had a crappy week, but more important than that, the Killer M and M's had playoff basketball on Saturday. That's my daughter Avery's fifth grade team that I'm a coach on. Um, let me give you the context. Okay. Here in California, as a fifth grader, well, as any elementary school, there is a thing uh, called ski week. And that, that's what took us to Utah um, a couple weeks ago. Um, and that's just the midwinter break here. Everybody colloquially calls it ski week because um, it's traditionally people take a little ski trip then. So that was two weeks ago. This past week, my entire basketball team as fifth graders, they go like the whole fifth grade goes to this thing called outdoor education week, outdoor ed. They go camping uh, basically in the Santa Cruz mountains and they're gone for a week. Last week was outdoor ed or this week was outdoor ed. They all came back Friday. Our playoffs are Saturday. Um, the week before was ski week. The week before we had a bye and we just practiced. So we have not played our last regular season game was February 10th. And oh, we were playing March 5th yesterday, Doug. So the way they've made the playoffs in this COVID uh, abbreviated season is that, you know, if you made the playoffs in the top eight, there were these four team brackets and basically you're a semifinals and a finals. You win your first round, you're in the finals, um, same day, back to back. So I'm gearing up for a full on Saturday. Kristen like runs like as the game's starting to snag us Gatorades for every kid in between, cause we're going there to win the damn thing. And uh, we show up, I've got girls on my team. We're, we're like, all right, let's recap the basic, a couple, we have a couple basic plays or things. And it's like, which side does the two of the floor does the two go on and the three, like we always do that the same, the four and the five. It was like, oh man, we have it. And I would say, Doug, our, we finished the season strong. We won two or three. I talked about our one loss on the, on the pod in our last three games. And we were, we were humming. And then our week of practice, when we didn't have a game, we were just scrimmaging, super intense, so fun every time. We get out there. I was like, what do I do minutes-wise? Like, I've tried different things. I've got a three and players that are the strongest on the team. One of them's Avery. And then a fourth. And I, I, sometimes I try to start strong. And I was like, we got two games today. I'm going to kind of stagger minutes. I'm going to do hockey line subs the first half. First quarter, oh, and let me give this caveat. We're playing a team from another school that did not have outdoor this week. They had it like two weeks ago. 
rumor mills buzzing when we're in there. They've practiced four times this week. We've practiced zero. Our kids just got back from a camp out the day before. Avery didn't even take her toothbrush on it. Whoa. Um, so we come out so lethargic in the first quarter. We're down two to six by the end. We had way more good shots. Avery standing behind me now, I can see. We had way more good shots than them. I mean, I'm going to say right now, Avery passed up four good shots. Like, I, I, I don't know. We're, we're just a nightmare. We go into the second quarter. I'm like, guys, let's go. We, we can do this. We're getting good shots. We're doing fine. They have like three players who are pretty good. One in particular, really tall, um, southpaw, and causing us some problems. They're, they're kind of getting up on us and pulling away, and I'm, I'm getting nervous. The refs are calling the game different than we've had the whole season. For one, we've been told the whole season you can't go in for the rebound on a foul shot until the ball hits the rim. Apparently, they're saying it's once it leaves the hand for everybody but the shooter and the people behind. And when I went up to ask them at the first quarter break, I was like, hey, guys, like, are they when can they go in? And, and one of the refs says to me the rule. And I was like, oh, well, that's not the way it's been. We were told we've gotten lane violations in other games. He said, that's the way you play basketball. And I was like, whoa, OK. Uh, turns out, I guess there's a universal rule for basketball for every league in the world. And that's not been my experience my entire life. But thanks anyways. He calls a moving screen on us early. Screens are a big part of our, our game. I'm fighting the refs. It's awkward. Um, we get a call right before the half under the basket. He gives us the inbound. I had to call a timeout so we could get a playoff in time. He, he, he gives us the inbound way in the corner, but on the baseline. They've literally never done that the whole season, Doug. You're either on the sideline or on the baseline under the basket. So we run this play. Avery cuts across to the middle. She catches it, turns around, shoots, gets fouled at the buzzer. It was pretty awesome. She hits uh, one of two to get us to seven to 14. Okay. Going into the half. Uh, I'm like, guys, we are right here. We can do this. Like I scrapped my whole lineup third quarter. We're going our best players. And then I'm just going to sub in people. All I can do. And we're riding the horses that brought us, you know, there this season, third quarter, we come out pissing vinegar and fire on defense. We hold them to two points the whole third quarter. We've been fouled a million times. We are getting a lot more foul shots. Avery's like three for six from the line at this point. Again, she, I think, leads the league in free throw attempts and probably makes shooting about 50%. That's just the, the league this is in. Um, we storm back. We get down. She's again fouled at the end of the quarter. Cans both of them to get, to get us within four, 16 to 12, I believe, going into the fourth quarter. The gym's rocking. Um, we're back in. We start the fourth quarter again. I'm like, we need, I need my three key players in. We're doing defense. I'm yeah, we're back. It's it was like that last game. We haven't we don't do this every game, Doug, but we're going barbecue chicken defense. They're going, I'm screaming. We take a timeout. I'm like, who are we? We're yelling. We're fighting back. Avery makes a shot, gets fouled. Avery steps up, cans one from a foot inside the three-point line. We're within one. We're approaching the two-minute mark. You can press in the last two minutes. So I'm like, we're down, but we're, this is to our advantage now, right? So it was 15, 16, it's back and forth. I think it gets to like right before two minutes, it's 18 to 16 for them. We Like the refs hate us. Our parents are like stoked. Um, they get fouled. This girl goes up, cans both foul shots. I call a timeout. We're down 16 to 20 at this point but we can press and we have the ball and we come down, we get three, maybe four good looks in a row. 
can't make it. We're pressing, almost steal it. They break it. They made a shot. We lost by six. And it was heartbreaking. (laughs) It was heartbreaking, but it was so fun. And like the fight that these girls had in that in that kind of league to come back from a 14 to seven halftime deficit was amazing. Avery was dominant in the second half. Our point guard, who I've said on here before, 90, 90% piss and vinegar. She was outstanding. We had so many good shots at the rim. We had her, our point guard and our other best player uh, besides Aves both had f- foul shots at the end, four foul shots so many of all of them that were in and out and couldn't go. We had this other girl who really stepped up with getting big offensive rebounds and went to the free throw line twice, couldn't convert any of them. And another girl who went and like just threw up two air balls, but we started getting the rebounds on the free throws. We had put back. It was like, I, I, our shot chart was so much better, but they had two girls who did good. And we just, I don't know, kind of got screwed by the thing. Anyways, it finished. I went up and told the other coach, hey, man, that was because it was really fun. It was a really fun atmosphere in the fourth quarter. I said, thanks. That was really fun. Tried to say thanks to the refs. Two of the three were nice. One of them was a butthole. Leave that out. (laughs) And uh, we went and got Froyo after. Sports are the best. Um, Every kid, I think, had really a lot of fun. The coach told me afterwards, I tell people that I found the only uh, we're coaching. I'm coaching with the only other person who lives here who is more into it than me. And I would love to coach with you next season. I mean, it was really fun. I mean, we, we, uh, weird season with COVID. I felt like if, if you gave us 82 games, we were going to be the first team and we were going to win. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's awesome. That's sad. Oh man. I felt like I felt the angst, the whole story. I, I can feel the excitement and the energy. I was just, um, the one thing that was cool, Doug, is that the whole time I thought we can run, we can do our stuff. And we're going to, we're going to win. And when we were down four, I thought we're going to run teeth. The three's going to come set a pick for the two. She's going to come in. Our five's going to seal off. She's going to get a look, good look. And she did. And it didn't go in. And, you know, it's, it's the way it goes, but it was, uh, it was cool to see him fight. It was cool to see the girls in it. And uh, it was a fun year. That's and now I got to take Avery to a, a musical practice. Um, Cause that's the way, that's the way it goes. You turn the page and it's the susical. On, onto the susical, onto the yeah. next one. No. Good, good stuff. I'm stoked for the um, the mighty M and M's next season. Mighty M&Ms. That's right. Killer M and M's. Killer M and M's. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for indulging me. And uh, yeah, man, twos and threes. Boom. Boom.